You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. Her name is Jean Christensen, and she's a woman on a mission to help others achieve their mission. As a small business and MWBE growth specialist, advocate, and executive coach and trainer, Jean supports budding entrepreneurs, small businesses, government agencies, and prime contractors as they push to the next level of their business. So welcome to the show, Jean. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. Because we're going to talk about a topic I don't think we've ever talked about before. We're like 115 or 20 episodes in here to the podcast. It's been over a year and we haven't talked about this topic. And so just to give you guys a little bit of a teaser, what Gene is going to help us to understand today is how to break into the government and get them as a client to help scale your business. Because after all, the government is probably the biggest purchaser of goods and services in the United States. So there's tons of opportunities there. And Jean is an expert. And so she's going to unpack that for us a little bit, how to do that. So before we do that, you know, Jean, just give us a couple minutes here. Give us one or two minutes background, how you got into this field, and then we'll dig right in. Oh, sure. Got into this field because my parents back in the 1980s opened up a security guard firm that was largely focused on doing business with the government. So I left my corporate job to join them. And that's, you know, probably 30 plus years ago. Yeah. So that's how I got into it. Yeah. So that's how you learned about how doing business with the government. So tell us a little bit more about what your business does now. I mean, I know you're located down in like the New York City, Connecticut area. Tell us a little bit about how you're helping clients, you know, and what that all entails. Sure. Well, doing business with the government after doing it for 30 plus years, I have found it to be a really lucrative business opportunity for companies that want to scale. But I found that it was really difficult to figure out how to do it. So my business is really focused on connecting small businesses with the how. How do they identify their target markets within the government and showing them and working with them on how to bring on their first government contract? I love that because I'll tell you, in a former life here, my old business, I had a third-party logistics company. And I remember going through this process. I remember hearing about you know, how the government, you know, has tons of transportation and logistics needs and trying to navigate that process. And it literally took us months, right? To try to navigate that process before we were actually able to become an approved provider. Fortunately, that worked out. We were doing, you know, healthy seven figures with the government under kind of a transportation program. I think it was called the SDDC, mm. but it opened up my eyes. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to have you on because for us, it became very lucrative. And I think you can help frame this a little bit for 
all kinds of different business owners on how and why they need to start looking closely at the government as a potential customer. So, but before we do that, let's just talk a little bit. What year did you start your business? How long have you been in business? I was in my first business with my parents. So when I left school, I think they opened their first business in 1984. So I was with them from 1984 to 2001. And then I opened up my private practice, which is, again, it's exclusively focused on, you know, consulting and helping people to do business with the government in May of 2007. Okay. So 2000, so you've been at, at this consulting piece as it relates to getting into the government since 2007. So you're talking 11, 12 years now. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Great. So how big is your company? I mean, you know, give us a sense of size or scale. I mean, is it more of a boutique? I mean, how many employees, whether it be growth or revenue, whatever you can share to give us an idea of how big the business is. We're a small regional business. So I want to say that we serve kind of the geographic area of the Northeast. We're a seven figure company. And we partner with, you know, we have our core group of employees uh, who really provide administrative and support services, but our core group of people are outside consultants that work with us that provide training, facilitation, and other types of support around professional development. Okay, perfect. All right. So we're going to get a little bit micro before we tap into the how to get into the government, right? And get them as a client. We're going to get a little bit micro into your business. You've been doing this consulting business for 11, 12 years now. You've got a seven-figure business. It's very healthy. What's the number one strategy that you use to get new small business clients? Because while you're doing business with the government, I know that your focus is on helping small businesses. So what would be the number one strategy you're using to get new clients for your consulting business? The number one strategy that I am using is getting out there in front of my target audience. So it's really kind of having a strategic plan, a well-defined plan on who do I want to communicate with as far as, you know, entrepreneurs and making sure that I position myself so that they can see me. And by seeing me, that could be at an event, it's on my social media, it's on podcasts. So it's making sure that I'm connecting directly with, with those folks. That is my number one strategy. So, you know, delivering the right message to the right audience. If you had to pick a medium, which one has been the most profitable for you? Is it events? Is it, you know, is it like conferences, networking, face-to-face kind of pressing the flesh, or is it more social media or, you know, other forms? So I actually have two buckets of clients, but so if you were to ask me the most lucrative and what's worked the best for me in terms of bringing in private consulting clients, it's been LinkedIn. That's just, it's an excellent resource. My other bucket, if you will, is working with the government myself because the government is highly focused on professional development at every level, whether it's federal, city, state contracts, also nonprofits. So I have a number of contracts that are focused on professional development. Some of them connect with small businesses and others connect to the buyers within the government who are trying to connect with uh, small businesses. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Well, I love the LinkedIn tip because obviously that's kind of my second home and that was was a big platform for us in the past and even currently for getting new clients. So I love to hear that. So, all right, awesome. Why don't we do this? Why don't we dive in? Because this is a really interesting topic and I know you've got a lot to share. So can you kind of unpack this whole concept of how to do business with the government? 
how to start tapping into some of the opportunities that the federal and local governments have and as a way to help them scale their business and you know grow to seven or eight figures. Yeah, sure. So the first thing people need to know is that the government is fully transparent. So if there is a contract out there or if they are buying something from someone, that information is on a number of different websites so that you can figure out what is the government buying? How are they buying it? So my first kind of tip, if you will, is to create a strategy for market research. It's really important for people to think about if the government is buying computers or pens or pencils, they're already doing this. They already have a system. They already have vendors that they're doing this with. So if someone is trying to break into that space, they really need to figure out, number one, again, how is the government buying the particular product or service that the company is selling? Because the government has a multitude of different ways that they purchase things. They can buy direct from vendors. They put things out for bid. They also have, you know, what they call procurement vehicles, which are schedules or contracts where people can get pre-approved. So the market research is really important. And then, you know, also as part of that market research, taking into consideration all the things that we don't know, I'm sure you can attest to this in your previous business, that pricing is going to be important. So kind of gathering as much information as you can in advance about your target market. How are they buying? When are they buying? Who are they buying from? And in that market research, thinking about what's your differentiator? How are you going to interrupt what is currently happening? No, that makes total sense. I mean, obviously you, you know, a lot of the businesses that are going to be listening to this have a product or service, right? So it should be fairly easy to go in and find out if the government's buying something like that. But you know, beyond just the products and services you have, there's a whole demand for products and services that companies may not be offering but could provide. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I would think that there's just, you know, I remember looking through that process and even though there was so much transportation and logistics related, you know, services that the government was buying, we only tapped into a small percentage of it, but I mean, it was vast. <laughs> it was crazy how much was out there. It was really eye-opening once we lifted up the hood a little bit. Yeah. The other thing to take into consideration is you know, that I've worked with some clients who had an amazing concept that there was no market research for. They were kind of ahead of their time. So that's the other thing I talk to clients about. And some of the industries that come to mind is like the fitness industry, for example. You know, There was a point in time where you know, everybody was talking about fitness, but it wasn't on the government's radar because they didn't understand the connection between healthy employees and productivity. So, you know, people who were kind of ahead of that curve, you can go into the government marketplace. If you can make a case for how your product or service saves time, saves money, can have an impact on a particular problem or an issue that is surfacing that's another way to break in through pilot programs. That's actually how I broke in myself in the particular business that I'm in, because I think that the government didn't necessarily think about having a program to teach people how to do business with the government. So I kind of created my own pilot, if you will, and started marketing it to different agencies. Oh, I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so you carved out your own niche. That's awesome. 
because I was able to tie it into some of their initiatives, you know, looking at, you know, when the government, so that's really the other important part of market research, like really understanding what is the mission of a particular agency? Who are they serving? And how can the work that you're doing or the products that you're selling tie into that? And there's so many different ways that you can go with that. If you think of what's happening in the world today, you know, people who are forward thinking could tap into, there's just a number of different issues that are happening in today's world that someone could say, all right, I have a solution for this. Let me present it to the right folks. Love it. So step number one, do your homework, people. Do your yep. homework, right? All right. So let's move on to step number two. So step number two is once you've identified your target and you understand how you know how you want to break in, it's really important to be clear on your capacity. Because the government looks at us, at us, small businesses in particular buckets. I was just on a conference call where they referred to companies under a million dollars as category one firms and companies over $50 million as category four firms. So before you start your marketing, you have to really understand where do you fit in? You don't have to be a million dollar company to do business with the government, but it's very important that you are clear on your capacity so that not only are you identifying the right, you know, agencies to go after, but that you can meet them where they can do business with you. Because government agencies have different ways that they can buy from different types of businesses. For example, they have programs that are set aside for small businesses only, where they will limit the competition for opportunities to small businesses or to businesses that are owned by minorities or women or veterans. So capacity, determining what your capacity is really, really important. Gotcha. I think you referred to that in our pre-interview was procurement ready. That just really made sense to me when you said that. Yes. Because like anything else, right? I mean, be careful what you ask for. All of a sudden now you're doing business with the government and you have to fulfill, <laughs> right? Yeah. So now you've got to have the people and the systems and the technology and all those things. Otherwise, you know, the wheels are going to fall off before you ever get started and you may never, ever get a second chance. I'm so glad you mentioned the people and the technology because that's part of determining your capacity. Even if you are, I think there's some studies out there that show that you know, most of the small businesses, at least in my region, are these smaller owner operator type companies, one or two employees. So if you're in a situation like that, doesn't mean you can't do business with the government, but you have to really think about if I'm going to go in, what are the tools, what are the resources so that you're fully prepared to deliver? Because you don't get any second chances when you're doing business with the government. So it's really important. Yeah. I would definitely make sure, obviously, after doing your homework, make sure you've got everything locked down, systems, technology, people, and that you're ready when they flip the switch, that you're ready to go. So that's number two. Number three. Number three is tied into number two a little bit, but it's financial, you know, financial readiness. When you're doing business with the government, you can expect that you will start a job on the first of the month, for example, but you're going to be required to deliver services and you know, everything that comes with it, products and services, and you may not be able to invoice until the end of the month. And the typical turnaround time could be 30 days before you get paid. So if you're thinking about it, it's realistically 60 days from the day that you start providing the product or service until you can invoice and get paid for it. So the companies that I see that are really successful have a cash flow management plan 
when they are looking at the types of things that they want to sell to the government, they're breaking their costs down so that they know how much it costs to implement, how much it costs to staff, what are the associated costs with onboarding a new client. And they have a strategy to manage the cash flow for, you know, for several months before receiving their first payment. So it's important that you have that you understand your own credit because personal credit is tied into your ability to gain access to lines of credit. It's also tied into something called the bond, which is required for construction type contracts. So cash flow management is really important. And the other thing I want to say about that is really having a strong system around cash flow management. A lot of the clients that I work with, especially, you know, if they're just starting out are doing their own books and they're treating the financial part of the business really casual. And I want to say that it's the foundation of the business. When you think about adding government agencies to your client list, you must have a strong foundation. So financial readiness is the next thing. Yeah. When I started my logistics company back in 2003, first of all, the logistics industry has high volume, low margin, right? So financial mm-hmm. management is critical. Cash, you know, and I realized very, very quickly is that, you know, everybody says cash is king, but in reality, cash flow is king, right? So having that cash flow to be able to keep the lights on, pay the vendors, pay your people while you're waiting to get paid by your different providers or by your different customers, I should say. It's critical. I mean, you know, most businesses don't go out of business because of a lack of profit. They go out of business because of a lack of cash flow, right? I agree. 100%. Yeah, I can't stress that. I think that's really, really, really important. Okay, awesome. So we talked about doing market research. We talked about becoming procurement ready. We talked about making sure you have the financial capacity and systems in place. What else? What else would you suggest? Is there anything else you would talk to if you were sitting down with a small business owner and saying, listen, this is really what you need to do in order to, you know, just to get the first base so that you can start getting your foot in the door? You know, I'm thinking of a client that, you know, one of the things blind spot for a lot of entrepreneurs is, you know, they don't know what they don't know. So as you're in this new environment and you're scaling up, it really does force you to learn new skills. So having some type of a system of support around you so that you can navigate through all the different things you're going to need to do when you acquire a government contract, such as, you know, how do you effectively hire people? How do you transition from, you know, being a doer, which a lot of small businesses are in that space where they're doing the work to being a leader and executing your vision? That's a really important thing. And it's a hard thing for a lot of entrepreneurs to do. So I think, you know, surrounding yourself with subject matter experts and people that can help pull you into your future. I think it's really difficult to do this on your own. So having the support of whether it's a trusted professional, a consultant, a coach, you know, a mastermind group, I think that's absolutely critical. The other thing I think people need to know is that there is a well-defined set of skills that you're going to need in order to successfully acquire these contracts. And that's, you know, cost estimating skills. So that's something that a lot of people, it's not intuitive. You know, sometimes when people ask me as a consultant, what's your price? Well, I have an hourly rate in my head and that doesn't work well with the government because they want you to break down that hourly rate. How much is it allocated to salaries and benefits and other things? So that's a skill that you're going to need. And also the skill of responding to 
bids, proposals, and RFPs, because most of the larger projects within the government are going to require you to submit a proposal. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, and that really just brought back a a memory of when we got involved with the SDDC, which is you know the government logistics you know department where they do a lot of manage a lot of their freight. And I remember when we first started looking at the bidding process, it was like Chinese math. I mean, the process was so complex that we hired somebody to come in and help us navigate that entire system because it was all online, right? And it was all Mm -hmm. very coded and very, it was so hard to understand. But then we brought that outside party in and within a very short period of time, we had a system down where we could do all the bidding ourselves. And so that worked really, really well. But I don't think we would have been able to get nearly as far, nearly as fast had we not done that. So I think that's a great, great point is tapping into expertise that's already out there that can help speed up the learning curve. Yeah. And, you know, I think what you said, you know, bringing someone in, what we call that in our industry is getting on the express train, because otherwise, if this is not a skill that you have, it becomes an enormous drain on a small business. And most small businesses will not do this well their first or second time out. So I do believe that if you can find the right strategic partner to help you, that's going to be a tremendous resource. One of the other ways that people can do this is by partnering or teaming with a larger company. And I've done a lot of that as well. And it's been great because when you're working with a company is already in the space. They're already having success. They already have a process for cost estimating and, you know, responding to RFPs through a good partnership. You can learn that. So you don't have to go it alone. Love it. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, we're going to wrap it up for today. The last two questions, let's do rapid fire. And this might throw you a little bit off, but if you've heard any of my interviews before, you're an entrepreneur, so technology is a big part of your business. What's your favorite growth tool or software that you're using to grow your consulting business? My favorite tool, I'm using Salesforce. I found that, you know, and and I'm using Salesforce and I'm also using an online calendar. These two things combined have, you know, helped me to focus on, you know, business development and to effectively manage my time. Love it. All right. And what would be one book that you would recommend to my audience? Oh, wow. One book. It's, it was recently passed on to me and I believe it's called The Upper Limit Problem. And I wish I could remember the name of the author right now, but that was, was an amazing book that really talked about how entrepreneurs kind of hit this level or individuals hit this level that they literally start sabotaging themselves. They start questioning themselves and how to kind of break through that. It was given to me by Allie Brown as part of a seminar that I attended and it was great. Awesome. Love it. Well, listen, we'll make sure that we put those links in the show notes. And But for now, let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about your business, and, and we'll close it out for today. Sure. So you can connect with me through my website, which is jeanchristensonassociates.com. And on my website, you'll find the links to social media. You'll find you know tips and free information about how to do business with the government. We're also offering a number of different webinars free of charge. I'm very passionate about helping clients do business with the government because it's a great way to scale. And it also has a tremendous ripple effect. When we do well, our communities do well, our families do well. So there's a lot of free resources on my website. Awesome. Love it. 
again, we'll make sure we put those links in the show notes and really appreciate you here, you know, lifting up the hood and kind of opening our eyes to the whole government opportunity. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks, Gene. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.